I actually took screenshots of what I was going to rant about today because something started grinding my gears. I grew up um, around my aunt and uncle who spent a lot of time in a comic book store that uh, is no longer here in Chattanooga. But I spent like a lot of time around uh, Western comic books, you know, like your Marvels, your DCs, your Dark Horse comics type of stuff. So I come from, an, I guess, I was going to say I come from an era where there was not a lot of cinematic stuff whenever it pertained to comic book stuff. Yeah. And when there was, it kind of sucked. But, like, for instance, one of my favorite birthdays, my mom took me to go see the first Spider-Man in theaters, and I was just so hooked. But my point is that I come from a space where there wasn't a whole lot to pick from, and now, in the year of 2022, there's so much comic book stuff. Uh, it, 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 like, spans outside of just the superhero genre, too. So, like, The Sandman, that show I've been watching... It's based on a DC comic book line. Um, it's not superhero stuff. It's like it's hard to kind of break that down into what it is unless you just watched it or read the books. My whole point is there's this She-Hulk show that's been coming out. The last episode came out today. We're recording on 10-13-2022. So today was the, the season finale. My brother's birthday. And it has been berated by these just misogynistic pieces of work. Like, and I thought, because like the show kind of plays off of that, because I think they were anticipating people were going to like react that way. So it's kind of funny that they're a little meta with it. But there's just been crazy amounts of like males just tearing the show up. Why? I don't know. It it doesn't make sense to me because, like, I just feel grateful that we have a She-Hulk show at all. I love She-Hulk. And one of the gripes that I wanted to bring up was that she breaks the fourth wall in the show. And people... I love when shows do that. Well, people were complaining about that because that's Deadpool's thing, that he breaks the fourth wall. It's not copyrighted. It's the same company. Actually, like it, it wouldn't even matter Shows if it was. Shows do it all the time. But I was like, you know what? I'm I'm almost a hundred percent sure that She Hulk broke the fourth wall first. If like we're getting technical with it, She Hulk did it first. So it's if it's anything, it's She Hulk's thing that Deadpool's ripping off. But like I don't even I digress on that. But I looked it up just just to make sure. But let's see here, She Hulk broke, and this is like from. Marvel's website, so it's like straight from the source, broke the fourth wall in a comic book in 1989 during the sensational She-Hulk comics run from John Byrne, which Kevin Feige says that the Disney Plus series is heavily influenced by. Okay, so we got 1989, right? Deadpool grew into a significantly more comedic character, but it wasn't until Joe Kelly and Pete Woods acclaimed Deadpool 1997 Run the mark with the mouth began breaking the fourth wall. So oh. a almost a whole decade before Deadpool started doing so it. So guys are getting their balls in a wad because a woman's doing it, it seems. That's and sex. That's just like one of the comments that, that I read. I was like, you... Weren't people hating on it because Megan the Stallion was in there or something? Yeah. Uh, the Hulk, She-Hulk twerked with Megan the Stallion. Oh, good God. And that's another thing from the comics. Not, not twerking, but... <laughs> 
She-Hulk, the um, oh my gosh, Jen Walters is her uh, her real name. Before she was She-Hulk, she was you know this goody two shoes like lawyer did everything by the book. But when she became She-Hulk, she was able to kind of like let loose and like gravitate towards like that you know like a powerful woman kind of thing. So in the comics, she like She-Hulk just like you know she like will party. Or have one night stands. Own her sexuality. Yeah, like she became. God forbid. You know, she was able to become the woman she always wished that she could be. She's confident. And that's it right there. And people don't like that. She's confident. And I think that's like the biggest irk for a lot of males. Like, even on like my Facebook friends, like I would see people post here and there. And there was this like one in particular. She's. (laughs) The comment was something along the lines of. Now that it's been a couple weeks, is it okay for me to say that the She-Hulk show sucks and not be and not be deemed as um, misogynistic? I was like, what the? F-? Like honestly, the show is great. The show was supposed to just be fun. It wasn't supposed to be a game changer. Like they have cameos from a lot of characters that you wouldn't normally get a lot of in the movies. And then we've got our first, well, not our first, but like our, it's our second appearance of Daredevil within the MCU. Well, technically it is the first Daredevil. We've had Matt Murdock, his like actual name in the Spider-Man movie that came out like this past year. But our first like look at Daredevil in the, the gold and red outfit show, show up in the show. And of course they hook up and have like a, like a one night stand type of thing. But then it becomes like an ongoing joke in the finale show where it's like, oh, uh, and I smashed Daredevil. <laughs> it's like the Thor movie. Nobody liked it because it wasn't serious. It was, even though you look from the trailer, you could tell it was supposed to be fun. It's a Tiger movie. Like, yeah. it was not going to be serious. And the Thor thing really got on my gears because, like, I sort of, like, I never listen to critics whenever it comes, especially when it comes to comic stuff. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll just put this off and I'll watch it whenever it comes out on Disney+. Plus. And then whenever I finally watch it, I loved it. I was like, it, it couldn't have been more wrong. But yeah, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Uh, She-Hulk, awesome. Great fun. And from the get-go, I knew what I was in for because I've actually read a She-Hulk comic book line before. Unlike most of these people complaining about it. It's just supposed to be fun. Yeah. Allow yourself... To one, make your own opinion and don't adopt somebody else's on Twitter. And two, just have fun with it. It's a comic book show. Suspend your disbelief and allow yourself to enjoy something. Or don't. I don't really give a shit. You know how people are. They got to take a good thing and try to ruin it for everybody. And like, that's why I try to stay away from anything like that. Like, but like, whenever, like, I spend a lot of time on social media because of like, the podcast type of stuff and like my instagram is like just curated for like superhero stuff a lot of times it's like fitness stuff anime and comic book stuff like that's all that i see on my instagram usually so it's just like it's hard to avoid it sometimes but i do love that the show digs like they just whenever i guess after they had released the trailer they kind of like saw the comments starting to roll through and they did do some reshoots for the last episode, 
which I don't want to ruin the last episode for anybody, but like there's some fourth wall breaking there. But they also um, chime in about people being misogynistic about mm-hmm. She-Hulk too. And the whole show, and anytime I see a, a female complain about the show, which I don't think I really have actually now that I think about it, but the whole show, this is the killer part. It's not for males really. It's for female fans. Yeah. Because a lot of topics, and like it was directed and written by a female also, in most cases of the episodes, and it it's dialing in on issues that all females go through. Like, there's this one where she gets attacked in the alley by a, like a gang of guys, and then she turns into Shield and beats the crap out of them. Which, like, wouldn't you want to do that? Hell yeah! Wouldn't you want to walk home in the dark without any fear whatsoever? Yeah. But you can't. No. You can't even be in public without zero fear. Even can't going into a makeup store, like going into Ulta today, I'm very self-aware of my surroundings when I'm out by myself. Yeah. And like a male never thinks about that. Not really. Not really. Like it's really got to be kind of like, oof, I don't like the feeling of this before a male's brain kind of like kicks into that gear. But a female kind of just walks around with that. We are kind of raised to have that fear. Even in, when you're at home reality. alone, it's like... Like a movie like Scream is like, it's kind of. I hate being here. The movie is, the intro is based on a female being home alone and vulnerable, even within your own four walls. That night that you went to the wrestling thing in in Nashville, I think it was, or whatever, and I was here by myself, low key freaking out a little bit. And then I was like, I have to turn all the lights off and take myself to bed alone in the dark it wasn't a great time but i'm glad that you were going out and having fun so it's worth it but like the the show is like i i wish that you were as into comics as i am because i think you would i think you would love she hulk just and it's it kind it's kind of easy to stand alone and enjoy too like there's some cameos that come in but like you know who the hulk is yeah um uh there's a few other ones that are tied in for like fan service and it's just kind of cool to see him. Like I'm like, oh, oh, that's cool that that person just popped up. Um, but there's like it's very much geared towards the female audience to enjoy. And we don't get a lot of that. No, you don't. Even when it's a super saturated female cast, it's made. It's usually made by men, from men, written Poor by men, directed by men, and catered towards the female audience. And it always sort of misses the mark, you know. Well, speaking of comics, when I was at Five Below today, um, they had these really cool, like, comic-style, old-looking shirts mm-hmm. that I really wanted to get you. There was, like, three different ones, and neither one, uh, any of them were in your fucking size. It's there Five was, Below. It's, it's kind of rare to, to get my size there. Well, I saw another shirt, which was in your size, and I was like, oh, but it was something stupid. And I'm like, that's not what I'm looking for. But they had a Black Panther one. Mm. Hawkeye, and then this really old school looking Star Wars one. They all look like old comic oh. styles. All of them only went up to a large. Was it the the Star Wars? Was it uh, the Star Wars logo yes. with like Luke Skywalker holding the yeah. lightsaber in the sky? Yeah, that's uh, a New Hope. That's I think yeah. that was the original. And it just uh, looked like poster for it. old and 80s looking. And then there was a Hawkeye one that looked like an old version. And Black Panther it looked like he was like running or something. And it had like the purples and shit. It looked really cool. 
And I was so upset because I really wanted to get you at least one and I could not find your size. I feel like five below shirts are perfect for like my workout tank tops that I like I'll take the t-shirt and cut it up into like a stringer. Like they're perfect because I know they're not going to last at all. So like whenever they do finally bite the dust, like I've gotten a lot of mileage out of them because I didn't expect them to look great the whole time. So it's just like perfect for me to like, you know, abuse in the gym. Well, they had one that I wanted that felt like it was thicker quality. But then I was like, no, you've spent enough money, even though it's obviously $5. My brain was like, no, you don't deserve a new shirt. And Five Below is really a good place to get like reference material for like drawing and stuff. Like I got two booklets for like $5 a piece. And like, you know, of course, I could have probably Googled the image, but it's kind of nice to have it like tangible and in your hands i was looking at those too because they had one about drawing manga and it had the circle for the head and then the inner circle and then the two lines that you were talking about i probably already have that one i think it's like orangish colored yeah the book I, yeah i got that oh, okay well i'm glad i didn't grab it then well there's just like the, i think they categorize as like mini posters it's like a book that you like cut it out yeah. and put it on the wall but I just keep it in the book because it's like a good reference to be like, oh, let's try to draw that kind of yeah. thing. Okay. Um, welcome to my anime autopsy. Rant is over. This is episode 37. We're still doing Psycho Pass season one. This is going to be our part two. I'm Romeo Stone. That is Peachly. Say hi. Hello. Say we just. Hello. So this is going to be like a rare occasion that we're not streaming our recording session. We're kind of in a pinch for time, which is have. hilarious because we just spent 18 minutes ranting about She-Hulk. Housekeeping notes. Subscribe to the YouTube. That's our main hub for all of our stuff. Like, comment, subscribe, click that bell, and you will be notified when we go live whenever we stream. We're going to be fitting in probably some more video game stuff on the YouTube channel as well uh, for all of our news updates. You can follow me on Twitter or join our Facebook group. And all of these links are going to be in our link tree in the description of wherever you're watching this or listening to this at. Take a second to leave a five-star review on Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to us on. And you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Anime Autopsy. We upload the short clips there. And leave us a voicemail or send us an email. All the information to do that is in the bio. Our logo is made by Blue Room Media. For all of your arts inquiries, reach out to Blue Room, ask for Brandon, and tell them that we sent ya. So, Psychopaths. I'm up to episode 12 right now. And I've got to say, we weren't talking low-key crap about the show last week we were just kind of explaining our frustrations with kind of how hard it was to attach ourselves to any of the characters so far yeah and that's still kind of the case but i finished episode 11 it did actually take a turn for the better for me on an interest wise and it feels like we're going to be more focusing on the overall situation of what the show is actually trying to get to um, I won't ruin anything because we're not even going to get to episode 12 uh, in this episode of the podcast, but it seems like it's taking a turn for the good, and it's focusing on the big bad guy because we've seen him inner thread within these episodes that we talked about last week and we're going to be talking about this week, um, but it was kind of hard to situate like what was important, what was 
okay to get attached to because a lot of these episodes, we had a few characters where we saw like for one episode or two episodes and then like we're seemingly never going to see them again. It's like, oh, it kind of reminds me of like a sitcom in a weird way, like where episodically we have this issue and then we're never going to see that issue again arise. We're never going to come back to it. We're not even going to reference it again. So it makes me feel like that wasn't very important. So did we just waste our time? Kind like of thing. filler. Yeah. It felt like a bunch of filler episodes back to back, back to back, back to back. And I, I don't think I was really prepared for that. It's like small things happen. They get solved within an episode or two. But like, what is the main thing here? Yeah. Like, what's the point? Why are we here? Like, what are we getting to? Almost like the same thing over and over, just different, pe- like villainish. Yeah, it feels people. like they took a topic, ran with it for an episode or two, and then <laughs> it's like Scooby Doo. That's actually pretty <laughs> solid. It was like it's like Scooby Doo. Sorry, where it's like if I know that that's what I'm in for, I'm prepared for it, and I'm I'm good with it. Let's enjoy it. But I, I wasn't really. I didn't know that's what we were. What what kind of show we were watching? But it seems like, um, as of episode 11, we're taking a turn with that situation. So I'm excited for that. And I also got more attached to the bad guy, the big bad. Um, white-haired guy? Yeah. What's his name? Shogo or something? I don't know. All I know is I'm digging the white mullet. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. But uh, episode six, Return of the Psychotic Prince. Akane wants to learn more about... You know what? I went back and listened to make sure... How to pronounce Kogami's name, and now I'm having second guesses. I thought it was Kogami. It's Kogami. Kogami? Yeah. I thought it was Kogami. Okay. Who cares? Who cares? That makes us sound bad. Um, Akane wants to learn more about Kogami's past and why he's an enforcer, while CID detectives investigate the drone incidents. Like how you just skip over that word completely. Yeah. Hockey of G. That's probably really wrong. So, um, what did we nickname the boss guy's name? Was it? Um, Mr. Bossy Pants? Yeah, Mr. Bossy like Pants. That? So, Mr. Bossy Pants and his team theorized <laughs> that a mastermind might have influenced the murderous actions of two recent suspects by essentially... This is what I was so confused about. So the big bad, what he does is he provides them with the ability and the motivation to carry out their deadly desires. Because that's his thing. He's very, and especially after episode 11, I you can kind of relate to the big bad guy, which is the best type of bad guy when you can relate. Um, he's very anti-establishment whenever it comes to the way they evaluate people. Uh, with their hues and whenever it's, you know, cloudy, they're in trouble, they have to go to, you know, whack houses and or be murdered by the enforcer gun. But um, this is kind of his thing. And I wish I would have kind of realized this sooner. We talked about it a little bit last week. But I feel like they kind of missed the mark whenever they were trying to tell the audience that this is this guy's kick. Because up until this point, he's kind of just showed up randomly He's always he's been like the common denominator with the bad people in the show, where he's showed up and talked to them. But it's kind of like, is what, what is he what what's he doing, kind of thing. It's 
I can't really tell if he's talking in them into things. Like he's like a master of puppets or something. I think in a way, but I think that he is more of an enabler for their yeah. what they oh, like, want to truly what you're do. doing is fine yeah go ahead there's nothing bad gonna come out of this because his whole thing is that he wants people to choose for themselves they don't want he doesn't want the system to choose what people do I mean, for them it's kind of a fucked up system thinking about it yeah yeah from the get-go from episode one where we're you know shown that the system sucks and it's not right. Like, if that was in place right now, every day that I come home, they, somebody would shoot me and send me to a white house. Well, maybe not. You'd be taking mandated medication to keep you no, at even keel. No, I wouldn't. But then they would know. So I guess you would be shot. <laughs> exactly. I'm taking that shit. So, yeah, that, that's kind of his kick. Like, I don't know if he is getting off on that necessarily or if he's just, it's his, he's raging against the machine pretty much. Fight the man. Killing in the name of. <laughs> I don't get it. Rage Against the Machine song. Uh, I mean, I could show you. <laughs> hey, we're in the middle of something, sir. I'll show you later. <laughs> I'm sure the audience will get it. So, Kogami sees similarities between these cases and the earlier unsolved case that we've been talking about uh, that got him demoted to the enforcer position, which also resulted in the grotesque death of his enforcer, Sasiyama. Sassy. So the last episode ended with kind of a flashback of uh, his enforcer. He's He found his enforcer in the middle of the street just contorted and stuff. Was there like a bunch of people walking around? Like, Yeah. What the fuck is up with that? So there was a hologram over that dead body. So people oh, were walking right. around it. That's so right. So nobody saw it. I completely forgot the hologram. So meanwhile, Akane seeks out more information on Kogami from Kagari and... How do you say her name? Karanamari? Kanamari? And learns about Sasayama and the cold case known as the specimen case. So they're starting to see what can be described as... What is it whenever somebody copycat... It's a copycat serial killer, basically. I think that's the term, copycat serial killer. Yeah. Imitation is the best form of flattery. So at a girls' school, Oreo, the enigmatic president of the art club ensnares an unsuspecting victim and mutilates her corpse into a work of quote-unquote art under the uh, tutelage of the evident mastermind makishima so that's a big which we'll come to find out within this next episode that her father was the original person who was doing this types of murders and that's why it's kind of tipped off that she's a copycat and not the real thing. And not to mention the her dad's like in a vegetative state, I think. Wasn't he in like a coma or some shit? Yeah, something like that. Like he was, it's kind of hard to explain. He wasn't like in a coma because she like wheeled him out in this next episode. Oh, yeah. In a wheelchair. He's just... But he's like vegetated somehow, some way. Let's go ahead and jump into episode seven. Do not know what those words are. The last two. Why do you always give me the hard ones? <laughs> You, you only plan, do two episodes. You plan and these out. Like, I really don't. Episode seven, symbolism of Glatilia. Striata. I guess. Striata. Mr. Bossy Pants realizes that the recent murders and the specimen case are related, and only one piece of evidence exists a blurry image of Makashima. 
mm-hmm. Mr. Big Bad. After last episode, him berating uh, Kogami, saying that this is not a this is not connected. You're just being crazy. This and that, and this is why you get demoted. Blah blah blah. And then he has to admit, okay, it's connected. Like, yeah, take that, bossy pants. A lot of haterade in his coffee that morning. You would think that they were married or something. (laughs) Maybe they were at one point. Maybe. I guess we'll find out. So after realizing that the recent... Imagine if we did find out that they were married. (laughs) So after realizing that the the recent murders of the specimen case are indeed connected, Bossy Pants takes Kogami off the case and requests Akane to watch over him. So he's, he's like, yeah, they're connected. And also, you're off the case. Like, and oh also, you need a babysitter. So Akane discusses uh, Sasayama's murder with Kogami, and she shows her um, his one piece of evidence, a blurry image of Makishima. It's kind of like it reminds me of whenever they send out the, uh, do you know this person, whenever they do a shoplifting thing from Walmart, and, they, <laughs> and the police like post like the really blurry Walmart's recorded picture. It's like, yeah. <laughs> No one knows who that is. And then they never get caught. So meanwhile, Makishima is in a study with, um, is this the robot guy? Toyo Hisa Senguchi reveals the circumstances of Oreo's father's death and discusses a, the nature of the shortening life expectancy. I think that's the robot dude. He's like mostly robotic. And we'll uh, see a little bit more of him in episode 10 and 11. Oh, yeah. Because I had a... Yeah. Go yep. me. I'm so smart. <laughs> so, um, later, Oreo continues her crimes with the help of Makishima's colleague, uh, Gusung. I don't really understand this guy. Like, I'm guessing we'll see more of him later on in the series. But he's basically his right-hand man, I would guess. The big bad's right-hand man. But they abduct a fellow student who is worried about her friend's disappearance. I guess this was like, this is a three-parter. Yeah, this is going to be a three-parter with Oreo. It felt like one big episode to me. Yeah, it definitely did. Definitely did. Kind of blurred together for me. Unless I took notes, it would be impossible for me to like separate. And one of the cool things I have noticed about this show, I'm sorry to interrupt, is like how the ending kind of starts to tie into the closing credits before it turns into the closing credits, if that makes sense. Because a lot of yeah, times it it's just in. over and then it's closing credits and this kind of just plays right on into them. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I do like that. Stylistically, I love the way the show looks too. Episode 8 and then Silence. Kogami determines the girl's school killer isn't the same murderer from years old unsolved case, but is actually one of the students. Dun, dun, dun. Boo, 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 boo. He's so smart. So with his profiling skills, Kogami determines that the girl's school killer is not the same murderer from the unsolved case from years ago. He explains that the recent murder lacks originality and pointed social commentary of the previous killings. When we were watching this episode, I swear, like, right before he came to, like, that determination, I was complaining that Oreo was boring. You were. (laughs) I was literally going, boring. And then he called her unoriginal, and that's how he sussed out that it was a different person. I was like, even he gets it. (laughs) So boring. 
Because the father, or the original murder, uh, murderer, he always had something tongue-in-cheek to say about the system or something like that. So his, you know, he considered his murders like a quote-unquote work of art, but also it was always something like tongue-in-cheek, something funny, or something pointed towards something. So like he immediately was like, oh, this is, this is not the same. Uh, when he and Akadate realize that the culprit is one of the students, they locate Oreo, who escapes when one of the teachers stops Kogumi from executing her. God, what a dummy. So this whole school is set up for, it's like an all-girls school, but it's set up probably by rich parents, I would assume, so that they are shielded from the crazy world outside of those walls. So it's it's kind of weird, but it's like they're stuck in there with Oreo. And they don't even know it. But this teacher comes up and gets in the way of them trying to take Oreo out. And basically lets this murderer go. Because he doesn't want the students to see something crazy. And it's kind of like hard to be mad about it. Because it's like, yeah, I wouldn't want my kid to see somebody getting murdered either. But it's kind of like, you know, could have ended way quicker. So as the enforcers try to locate her secret roots and hiding places, Oreo flees, but not before everyone discovers her latest creation. And if you remember last episode, she got a hold of uh, one of the schoolgirls and she uh, made art with her. So Makishima calls Oreo to tell her that she's a disappointment and has <laughs> Singuchi dispose of her. So just like everyone else, he thought that she was boring. It's like when a kid gets a new toy and the other ones just get banned to the bucket. Yeah. But not before Ooh, it's dismembered. New toy. So in the meantime, Kogumi picks up a damaged audio file, which was deliberately left by Makishima. So he's playing games. This guy's like untouchable too, like I gotta Cat say. Mouse. And like he's got a pretty special thing about him that we'll get into in episode 11. That's like. Don't ruin Ooh. it. Like, I made it that far yet. I know. That's why I'm not going to say. But due to Oreo's failure, Makishima develops a interest in Kogami. So he's like, ooh, new toy. Gross. Just like we said. Episode 9. Hit it. Episode 9, Paradise Fruit. Uh, while attempting to track down Makashima, Kagami takes Akane. Um, while attempting to track down Makashima, Kagami takes Akane to his former teacher for a crash course on criminal profiling. So this is kind of old school FBI training type of stuff where they profile somebody and that's how they track them down. This is developed. Um, there was a show that kind of surrounded the development of this. I cannot remember. It's on Netflix. But they um, they kind of formulated a way to track down serial killers, like what's their motive, you know, this this and that. But um, it's kind of like relying on stuff that we actually use. So Kogami attempting to track down Makishima takes Akane to visit his former teacher, who agrees to give her a crash course on criminal profiling. And I like this teacher. He's super wacky. So however... Um, Mr. Bossy Pants reprimands her harshly, which results in a argument because the teacher has the ability to cloud people's psychopaths by merely speaking with them. So he's got the ability to speak to somebody and make them feel a certain way, and it starts to cloud their hue, which I thought was interesting. Afterwards, Tamami explains to her, <laughs> Mr. Sassy Pants, 
his attitude by revealing his past. Ooh, did we like, change his name? What is it? Mr. Sassy Pants is what you just called him. Oh, Bossy Pants, Sassy Pants. <laughs> I like that thing. too, though. But um, he kind of like lets her in a little bit on his past and why he's the way he is. Why he's got to stick up his butt. Yeah, why he's so sassy. So in the meantime, Makishima discusses humanity and philosophy with Singuchi, who is a who in a earlier interview reveals himself to be nearly full cyborg. <laughs> Makishima gives Singuchi his next target, Kogami. Can't wait till he like eventually does the Naruto thing. He's like, Kogami. <laughs> Are you talking about when they yell Sasuke? Yeah. We have to watch Naruto. I think that's that's gonna be the next anime I watch. Actually, it's super long, oh. never ending, seemingly, and it's probably gonna. It's like the perfect workout anime for me because I know that if I look away for two seconds, I'm probably not gonna miss anything either. There's a lot of filler in Naruto. I'll say that, but like I've been telling you, it gets better once they get older and they're not little kids anymore. It gets really good, especially some of the fight scenes between Naruto and Sasuke. Oh, my God. I, I like Naruto, what I've seen of it. Um, yeah. I've got no complaints. There's a lot of filler, but I come from a Dragon Ball Z background, so I'm pretty adept to filler. <laughs> but uh, if, if anybody wanted to go out of their way to uh, do a Dragon Ball Kai type of thing with Naruto, <laughs> that would be neat, where they cut out all the filler yeah. and just leave the important stuff. Yeah. Episode 10. Methuselah's game. Makishima and Sanguchi attempt to trap Kogami in an abandoned subway station using Akane's friend Yuki as baits, but all doesn't go as planned. So this is where the show kind of starts to take a turn for me. It's this one, but it's really episode 11 too, and it's kind of like a two-part thing. Um, so we'll kind of end on a cliffhanger with this week's episode, just as a forewarning. Um... But yeah, I, I don't know really what it was about it, but it's definitely got something to do with the big bad guy. But Makishima, Singuchi set up a hunt by using Akane's friend, Yuki. Uh, we've seen her a few times, I think, uh, when they went out for brunch or something like that. I think she was w within that group of people. Uh, they all kind of look the same, don't they? So they use Yuki as baits uh, to lure Kogami into an abandoned subway station. And upon arriving to the station, Kogami discovers Yuki in a train car and loses contact with Akane. So he's kind of like radio silenced at first. Uh, the two must evade Singuchi. Uh, he's the robot guy, so he's kind of like walking around with like an old school um, like rifle, I guess. But it's it's you know it's not like the enforcer guns where it's got to be um, tagged to him and approved. No, he's just like walking around with a gun. And they're in Japan, and if I'm not mistaken, even like now, gu guns are illegal to have in Japan. It's breaking all, all the laws. It's basically Darth Vader, though, with all... It's basically just a robot. But upon entering the station, Kogami discovers Yuki in that train. Uh, the two must evade Singuchi and his canine drones, which those are kind of cool. Those are pretty cool. As a curious Makishima observes from above, watch, watching his toys play. Bossy Pants scolds Akane for letting Kogumi go on his own, but Tamami chastises him over his treatment of her, and good for him. Yeah, that made me so mad because it's like she's working really hard alongside her two enforcers or whatever to build mm -hmm. a trust, and he's all like, 
you can't trust him. He ran off on his own. Like, he's basically tracking down a lead, motherfucker. Yeah. Her friend's in trouble. It's really a situation because he's just the way he is, that she's damned if she does, damned if she doesn't kind of thing. Yeah. doesn't matter what she does. She's going to, like... He, she's gonna hear about it from him. We saw that from the first episode. Yeah, and it's like it's not even like rookie hazing in, or anything like that at this point. It's like you just you just kind of suck, dude. Like you've got some issues that you haven't sorted out, and you're taking it out on everybody else, basically. But uh, meanwhile, Makishima rigs the hunt to give Kogami a chance to create a working transponder, which I thought was interesting. So he's like, it's 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 certainly just a spectating sport for him. Because if he wanted to, he could have taken him out from the get-go really easy. But he's, like, giving him a chance to actually overcome the situation. But as a result, Kogami makes contact with the group outside, and they go in after him. That's kind of, like, where we end off uh, with this episode. So, yeah. It's shaping up. So, I was kind of worried with the first five episodes. I really was. But it's starting to shape up for me. I'm understanding the story a lot better. And I think that it was just a lot all at once and with, you know, all the moving parts that actually weren't all that important kind of thing threw me off too. So I'm definitely enjoying it more. This is probably my favorite episode by far. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's going to go in this direction from here on out where it's kind of like, okay, you've got my attention. I'm invested in at least the bad guy. But it's usually like you had me at white hair, you know, with my interest. But it's... It's kind of had to earn my trust. And I was super scared that we were going to have to do a five-part series on a show that we didn't enjoy. (laughs) But um, do you know what? I think it's going to be good. So housekeeping notes. Subscribe to the YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe. Click that bell for whenever we go live. Uh, For all of our news updates for the show, uh, you're going to want to follow me on Twitter or join the Facebook group. Take a second to leave a five-star review on Spotify or whatever platform that you're using. And follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Anime Autopsy. For all of that information, it's going to be in the Linktree link in the show description that we have now. And if you want to leave us a voicemail or send us an email about anything, all the information is in the bio below. And our logo is made by Blue Room Media for all of your arts inquiries, logos, pictures, etc. He does a ton of things. Um, reach out to Blue Room, ask for Brandon, and tell him that we sent you. We're going to see you next week.